there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, how are you doing? Hopefully well, and welcome to this week's 1% Better Podcast. I'll be honest, this is probably the eighth time I've done this intro, and normally I get them pretty first or second time around. Don't know what's happening this evening i was about five minutes into another one and my phone rang which is never good uh, lessons learned there obviously to turn it off but hopefully this one goes smoothly i normally record the intros on a thursday or maybe a wednesday night just before i release the episode but this week because i'm traveling and have a lot on during the week i said i'd record it on the sunday night this is the 4th of november and get it all done early and have everything queued up so that i can just hit release on friday morning and it all rolls out but it's just proving, for whatever reason, difficult. But anyway, we're a minute in and I better just keep going because so far this one hasn't gone off the rails too much. So in the last few weeks, I've released episodes of the 864 and the 1% Better Show. Every other week at the moment, that's how I'm kind of rolling with it and seems to be going okay and happy to keep putting them out. I've recorded a lot of new episodes as well. One with a, an actor from LA last week and one with a, a Rugby World Cup winner. A bit of a slant to that one. That'll come out soon. And a few more lined up over the next few weeks. As I mentioned on the 864 intro, looking to hopefully record episode 100 of the 1% Better show before the end of the year. Maybe come out in, in the new year. So open to suggestions. Any ideas of uh, potential guests that would be good for that kind of milestone number um looking forward to doing it and just continuing to enjoy the whole journey and process so last week was Stephen ryan and the 864 check it out if you want to learn a few things about marketing branding i would encourage you to do so and the week before was it on enright on the one percent better show learned a lot from that one myself it on you know has a lot of really insightful nuggets to share and he has a great following as well so the numbers for that one is very very encouraging this week's episode is one that i was really excited to record primarily because it was a topic that I'm aware of but hadn't a whole great deal of understanding about before I recorded with my guest uh, and the guest is Bipolar Barbie. So Bipolar Barbie is a, a mental health advocate. She's from Australia and it was a fascinating story of her her journey so far I guess. She's quite young, she's only in her early 20s but she's been suffering from bipolar for a number of years and during the interview I asked her questions that you might probably find interesting yourself around the disorder the different states that one can be in how she got diagnosed how she maintains and manages it and where she gets the idea to become an advocate for mental health and an advocate for living with the condition she is massively followed on social media she has i think nearly a hundred thousand on instagram she's a youtube channel she's releasing content daily and not only when she's in a positive state but also when she's in a very manic state to show you the different or different ends of the spectrum that one can be on with this disorder every episode i'd really try to identify areas that we can learn something from and this one around the area of bipolar hopefully opens up your eyes a little bit around the condition the disorder and you might learn something from it as well and who knows you know it may come in useful at some point in the future if somebody in your family or extended family or friends suffers from it or gets diagnosed with it it's all about learning and hopefully this one 
helps you learn something again in this area and before i hand you over to the interview i always encourage you to look to sign up to the newsletter it's always useful to do that i put that out every friday with content that you can watch you can listen to you could read and hopefully some actions you can take to improve look go and enjoy this episode it's a really really interesting one my thanks to bipolar barbie for giving the time and insights that she shared have a great weekend and thanks for listening. Good luck and enjoy. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the 1% Better podcast. And this one is a little bit different. Um, it's a first on a few different levels. One is rare that I record at 9am on a Sunday morning, Irish time. So that's kind of a, an original for, for me and probably still trying to wake up here. But the, there's good reason. Uh, my guest is on um, the other side of the world i guess the, the southern hemisphere on the east coast of australia her name is bipolar barbie and welcome to the show hi how are you going i'm doing well i'm doing very well so look i know this has been something we've been kind of hoping to to do for a long time i think it was probably january or february this year when we connected first and um we're now yes. into we're into september but that's <clears throat> that's absolutely great to, to actually connect uh, at this point um i know logistically and the time zones and all of that make it challenging but thanks so much for taking time out of your sunday evening to uh, to come on to the podcast that's all right it's my pleasure thank you for inviting me no it's great so i've been following you on instagram for that period of time and you've built up a massive following there i think that's is that that's probably your most um active and, and obviously on youtube as well you seem to have a huge following on both of those so look i guess simply you know for folks that don't know about you talk to me tell me about who bipolar barbie is and where this all came from sure um <clears throat> i guess the easiest way to describe what i do is kind of under the umbrella of a mental health advocate um, I guess I, I tell my story and my experiences with, with um, mental health issues um, and my life story in a bunch of different creative ways um, through my writing, through my art, um, through my rapping, just, you know, any way I can really express myself and that is primarily done through social media. Um, Instagram was kind of where it all began and that's why I have the biggest following on Instagram Um Things like Facebook and, and Twitter, um, they only really came about like quite recently. Um, and the same thing with YouTube. Um, I started that probably about a year after my Instagram, I think. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of been a learning process. I really knew nothing about social media when I started. Um, but it is kind of a little funny story about how it did start. Um I had been suffering mental health issues for quite a long time and um, a couple of years ago I was unemployed living in this very derelict house um, with a pretty cool housemate and we were both unemployed. Um, I had a huge manic episode where I was getting myself into a lot of trouble. Um, I was cartwheeling through aisle seven at the supermarket. Um, <laughs> you know, I was getting kicked out of public places I was being a public nuisance I was sort of up so high in my mania and um my housemate asked me um why I had so many different clothes because my room looked like a bomb had just gone off and there was piles of clothes everywhere it was my floor drobe was just like jam-packed uh, <laughs> and I just kind of looked at the mess and I just thought 
because I have so many different personalities. Mm. I mean, what I wear when I'm kind of depressed is very more like baggy, self-conscious, you know, darker kind of clothes. What I wear when I'm manic is really like happy and sexy and and out there. And, you know, depending on my mood state, I have a a different style that I express myself with. Um, And I kind of realized in that moment that I really am just like a naked Barbie doll. And I don't really know, you know, who I'm going to be each day. And I realized how terrifying it must be for Barbie dolls, you know, to just wake up and like, you know, a little girl picks them up and goes, okay, today, you know, you're going to get married. Um, They have no control over their life. They're just at the will of, you know, a little girl or or something bigger. And, And that is exactly how I felt. But unlike, you know, roller skating Barbie and veterinarian Barbie, um, you know, wedding Barbie, Malibu Barbie, I was, you know, bipolar Barbie, depressed Barbie, manic Barbie, anxious Barbie, you know, any any version of the mental illness Barbie you could imagine. Wow. Yeah, no, it's it's a brilliant story. And uh, I guess, how many years ago was that when that happened? Um, That would be just about two years ago now. Mm, wow. So, so even in that period of time, so much kind of t- took off. I guess before we start kind of moving from that point onwards, for folks that maybe don't know much or, or the details of what the bipolar disorder is, it'd be good maybe to talk a little bit about about that. Uh, the reason I'm actually, I'm a type 1 diabetic and I'm not trying to compare the two by any means, but I did an episode with a, another type 1 diabetic earlier on this year and we talked a little bit about the, the details of, of that because sometimes when you have something like that or, or whatever disorder, you forget people don't really understand the details of it and when we did share that I got a lot of good feedback saying wow I didn't realize there was so much involved so so maybe talk to me a bit about bipolar if possible yeah correct correct me if I'm wrong but type one is the insulin dependent is it or is it not it is yeah it's the one where I have to inject that's actually an interesting point because out of any sort of illness really that's out there um, insulin dependent diabetes is is probably the closest like physical illness comparison to bipolar disorder mm. um, sort of on, on like a chemical functioning level so your body can't regulate insulin um, our brains can't regulate like I guess just change in general It's always over and and undercompensating, but particularly when it comes to things like serotonin um, and and your dopamine receptors, but particularly serotonin. So, um, you know, your brain's always working to make sure that you're kind of at a a level amount, but when, um, you know, the, the serotonin depletes, instead of just topping it up a little bit, our brain goes you know, into overdrive and, you know, it's like someone's pouring the sugar into the tea and then they've dropped the whole bag and they're just like, oh, oh shit, you know, Mm. Um, that was far too much. So that's why you're kind of going up and down constantly because once you get up, then again, your brain goes, well, now we need to get rid of some serotonin and it gets rid of too much. So I guess Mm. that's kind of how it works on a very, um, like, basic chemical level. But it's... It's really a disorder where you switch, I guess, between, you know, incredible depression, um, which I think, you know, a lot of people might be able to understand, like the fatigue, the suicidal thoughts, um, 
you know, not being able to get out of bed, low self-esteem, um, irritability, anxiety, um, you know, like there, there are so many symptoms to depression. Um, you know, for me, it's like my messy room, um, mm. you know, weight gain, um, sugar cravings that, you know, there's a whole range, but basically it's, it's just that I, I just, I can't live anymore. Um, it's just this overwhelming feeling of sadness and grief, this black cloud. It's like you're living in a black hole and there's just no light anywhere. There's not even a tunnel to see light at the end of. Um, so there's that state. And then I guess the only reason bipolar is different to any other form of depression is that you will alternate between that state of depression and mania. Um Mania is probably what bipolar disorder is most well known for. You might see in movies and, and things like that when someone's manic, um, they're going to be having, you know, psychotic episodes. They'll be um, quite erratic in their behavior. They'll be talking really fast. Um, I have excess amounts of energy. You know, I, I don't need to sleep. I don't need to eat. Um the trouble is, you know, at first it feels so good. You're euphoric. You're on top of the world. You can do anything. Mm. But, you know, it, it affects your brain in so many ways that, um, <clears throat> you know, physically that people don't understand things like your um, impulse control. Mm. Um, if you do a brain scan, that that's actually switched off. That's not working. So, wow. you know, you just become, <laughs> you know, reckless and impulsive and that's not necessarily a choice. It's just those parts of your brain aren't functioning. So you just, you know, you're like full steam ahead and there is no reasoning section of your brain that's going, hang on, maybe we should hold up a minute. So, mm. yeah, alternating between those two, two extremes. And it's interesting as well, just something that triggered there. Impulse control is something I'm fascinated about because it's part of emotional intelligence as well, where you can actually develop better impulse control. Because a lot of times in, in work environments, you could see people reacting to something that triggered them. But over time, they can say, OK, I'm not going to react to that. But, but but when you say impulse control goes goes out the window, is part of one of your personalities realizing when that's happening that actually I should be reining this in or or, or or that just doesn't come into picture at that time and only, you only realise it after the fact. Is that, that how that works? That is normally how it is, yeah. Um, I think it's directly related to, I guess, I don't want to say IQ because that might have a bit of a negative connotation, but I think the more of a highly functioning individual you are, the more capacity you may have to regain control of your mind in, in some areas. Hmm. Um, but I do suffer more than just bipolar disorder, like borderline personality disorder, um, your generalized anxiety, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So I can tell the difference between them in the sense that when I have borderline depression, it's more like a gray rain cloud above my head that just kind of rains down on me. And in that moment, it's kind of like, I don't want to do everything. Everything hurts. It's painful. It's dreary. But there is still a level of functioning. I can still sort of see out of my peripheral vision, whereas when I'm bipolar depressed, I can't see anything at all. Right. Um, and I guess, like, in that regard, in answer to your question about, like, the, the manic impulse control, when it comes to that bipolar, 
that is a really like rather than being a, a psychological mental illness i talk about it like a biological mental illness um mm. because it really is like a, a faulty brain that is malfunctioning um which is not just a thought process and it's not just about emotions you can actually look up the brain scans of bipolar patients um you know when it's when it's manic the mris are bright they're lit up they're bright pink bright red bright yellow um the brain is is just functioning and it's functioning to a level where they see the same gray matter deterioration in bipolar patients as they do alzheimer's patients so if bipolar is left untreated um you'll you'll actually fry your brain faster than you know you would with alzheimer's mm. so that's why it's really important to treat it because if your brain cells are not being used you know or they're being overused and and burnt out to that point you're actually um losing more capacity to fight your illness the longer it goes untreated mm. yeah no again that's interesting because one of the things i was thinking about in relation kind of parallel to diabetes is when sometimes if i go really low sugar wise and then that that has that's effectively my organs shutting down um and then i take sugar to bring me back up it could boost me back up and i could be really really high and and that's kind of firing them back up again so i I can only imagine that's damaging them on both going down and coming back up more than the normal person would would be so it's probably a similar parallel to to what you experienced there no yeah definitely and i think um you know that's why i said it's it's probably one of the only illnesses that you you can sort of accurately parallel um you know even just with the mood stabilizers which um basically has the same function as insulin you know where um i mean it's it's designed to regulate our, our mood swings you know so that we don't have those extremes of up and and extremely down it's it's to kind of regulate those levels so we can stay somewhere in the middle mm. very interesting so bipolar is it something that you're you're born with is it something you had developed at a certain point in time because again with type 1 diabetes i only got it five years ago but most people with type 1 get it at a very young age um for whatever environmental genetic factors with bipolar what's the your situation or the general situation with that coming on it's pretty much uh very similar um in the sense that it's normally genetic but you know there's not enough research done they can't be 100 percent sure um normally if you if you have bipolar there's a 50 percent chance that one of your offspring will have it um so most people you see that it's genetic it is hard to tell though because um more people are getting diagnosed in this day and age so you know a lot of the time um you know my grandmother spent a lot of time in the psych ward but you know my father never knew what it was for um you know and things like that so it's kind of it is a bit hard to tell but i think definitely with me it was genetic um my father's sister from what i've heard about her is textbook kind of um you know bi- bipolar as well um just with the the reckless behavior and kind of things like that um but normally bipolar disorder you tend to get it i guess in your late teens early 20s 
And they normally say that's because it's when your brain fully develops. So for someone like me, I can look back and I can probably see that the subtle mood shifts that were slightly more extreme when I was a child and a teenager and friends and family have pointed that out, that you were always a little bit more up and down than other people. And it was almost like it was sort of not that noticeable. But then once my brain fully developed when about my 20th birthday, that was when all of a sudden it was like full-blown bipolar disorder. I just couldn't function anymore. Um, so for me, you know, I think that was definitely just bound to happen. For a lot of other people, um, you know, they can develop it later in life. Um, sometimes they, they say that is triggered by um, perhaps like a traumatic experience, um, something that's happened, the pain, you know, the brain... Um, sort of reacts to the trauma and, you know, they can be diagnosed with bipolar from them. Um, most of the time they do have a predisposition though um, to sort of, you know, um, having it in the first place. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so once you realized at, at the age of 20 or so that, that or, or that it was something you had gone full blown with, how did, how did you start to, I suppose, identify with it and were there early areas where you started to manage it or how has management developed of it over the last few years? Yeah, so it took me probably about six years from that point to get to a point where I could actually start to manage it um, somewhat effectively. Um, it still impacts my life quite heavily, but um, I was at law school at the time. Um, I graduated high school, um, top of my class. I was... I was in my third year of law school mm. um, and it was about this time, actually. It was about September. Um, I'd just gotten off kind of the, the spring break. Um, I was heading back to uni and it was almost like kind of overnight or very, very quickly, I just, I just stopped sleeping. I just, I had this like energy. I could do whatever I wanted. I was going to the gym like two hours a day. You know, I, I started running, which, you know, it's great. You're, you're happy, you're healthy, you're eating healthy, you know, you're eating less, you're exercising more. But suddenly I'm running like four hours a day. I'm going to the gym two hours a day, sometimes another two hours a day. I'm not sleeping at all. I'm up all night. I'm full of this energy. I'm pacing around. My eyes are hurting because I can't. You know, I can't close my eyes. I can't sleep, but they're so dry because they've been open. It just really started interfering with every aspect of my life. And, mm. you know, friends started to say, are you okay? Like, what kind of, what's wrong with you? You're really hyperactive. Like, are you on drugs? And I'm like, no, but, you know, something really, really wasn't right. Mm. Um, and I sort of started self-medicating, I think, at that point, you know, you get to a point where you just want to get drunk so that you can go to sleep. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you're so, you're so full of energy as well. You're the life of the party. You're manic. You're euphoric. You know, you're going out. You're doing stuff. Um, and after that, I sort of started to come down. And that is sort of the most volatile period where you're coming down rapidly so you're you're starting to feel crapper, mm. but you've, you've also still got that energy and impulsivity. So you're kind of in this mixed state, um, which can be very volatile. Um, at that point I went to the doctor 
And pretty much from that point onwards, I was going to a doctor and a therapist at least once a week. Um, I kept changing doctors and therapists because I just didn't get the answers that I was after. Um, I guess it's a really long story from there, which is why you have to follow my social media. Sure. But it took it, you know, it took me about two years from that point to get a bipolar diagnosis. Wow. Um, and it's it's been, I'd say yes, six or seven years. Um, that was probably seven years ago. So yeah, the last year has been relatively okay. Um, it's definitely been the best year I've had, um, since then. I haven't been in the psych ward this year, so that's always a good sign. That's a definitely a good sign. Um, I'm just surprised though, if, if you said there was a history of it somewhat in your family and it took that long to get it diagnosed by a doctor what why do you think that was the case or what was it not obvious maybe i i think it's just one of those things a lot of i mean maybe it's different in different countries but Mm. when people say to me all all doctors want to do is put you on meds and diagnose you with mental illnesses like i was literally begging for them to help me in some way you know what i mean that you know they just kept saying oh you need to go to therapy because you know, the second I opened my mouth, you know, they'd ask me about my childhood and, mm. you know, things would come up. And I think up until then, they just kind of went, well, no wonder you're, um, I'm just trying to find a word so I don't swear here. But, you can swear, you can you know, swear. It's, no, it's a swearing okay, free zone, yeah. so it's okay. <laughs> um, no wonder you're fucked up, basically. You know, you had, you've got a lot of stuff that would mm. certainly be, be haunting you, but, um, I think, you know, I think a, a lot of times if you're going through grief or or you've had trauma in your life, they can often just want to put it down to you just need some therapy, you just need to work through your issues rather than there's a brain, you know, something actually going on internally. Um, but the average time frame sort of, you know, in, in England, America and Australia is um, – 10 years for bipolar to be diagnosed oh, anyway okay that's... that's the average time frame um and then years after that to get accurate um therapy and, and medication combinations so it's about a 20-year battle before most people can live a normal life again jesus that's you know i guess <laughs> the difference there with, part, with diabetes is you're pretty much diagnosed straight away because you can see it from your blood but but obviously with this it's so much more complicated so that's that's tough um i was just gonna say even once they diagnose you with bipolar it you know then you start the trial and error of okay like which medications and you know i'm on five different medications so it was about finding a combination that worked so you can imagine if i'm on five now um and i've been swapping and changing you know you've got to wait for them to work three months and then you know see how they go for another three months and then wean off them and then try something else you know so that little lab rat portion i think is the hardest because there's sort of no test just to go okay you know this is how we're going to treat it it's very different for everyone how long is bipolar being been around i know it's as you said like i'm I'm thinking back to when i was in school and certainly you know a lot of the disorders that are are out there now like adhd and asperger's and what probably 
half the class had some form of that but nobody was was branded or labeled with that um but over the last 20 years it seems to become more and more apparent what type of disorder somebody might have but but bipolar like is it evolving in how it's being treated and diagnosed quicker or you know what's the evolution like with it that you've learned over the last i suppose in your research as well yeah i think there's definitely more um you know, I guess awareness being brought to it. I don't know really though if there's necessarily like more people being diagnosed with it. You know, is it just maybe that more people are talking about it now? Um, you know, the, the fact that, you know, maybe I like I, I didn't know people or people that I know now that did have ADHD when I went to school, but I didn't know that like at the time, mm. you know, so... I think it was just not as well talked about, but as far as, I mean, bipolar disorder has definitely been around for a really long, long, long time. As far as like people have been dealing with it, Um, you know, it's, it's sort of part of being on the spectrum that they do talk about. So Asperger's, autism, ADHD, schizophrenia, bipolar, they're all linked. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all linked because of a, a low latent inhibition style of thinking, um, which is different to a normal brain functioning. Basically, people who are on the spectrum, they they have more, uh, their brain doesn't filter out as much stimulation. So what that means is their brains are processing more information. And depending on their, their IQ, on, on how quickly their brain can process information, um, that really depends on how much sort of damage that actually does to their brain or at the capacity that they can actually function. Um, so that's one thing that we, we know now and we are understanding a lot more. And I think because of that, there's maybe less misdiagnosis. Um, but if you know the symptoms of bipolar, you can look back through history, I mean, you know, they talk about really famous artists, you know, Andy Warhol having um, a bipolar disorder, um, you know, people theorize about, you know, Da Vinci and, and Einstein. And, you know, if you read their journals and, and kind of look at um, some of the projects they worked on, I mean, Leonardo Da Vinci was digging up graveyards at night. Um, you know, there, there had to be definitely something going on there. But bipolar is actually um it even goes back to primitive times like everyone has a little bit of a seasonal affective disorder which which mimics bipolar um in the sense that that sunlight has such a huge effect on our mood yeah um so cavemen in winter when there was less sunlight they would actually go into a depressive state as like a, a form of mild hibernation to preserve energy um, whereas when, you know, spring and sort of summer came around, the light would actually trigger them to be slightly more manic, like have more energy, um, to stay awake longer, um, everything that they needed to survive and then prepare again for the winter. Um, so subtle mood shifts like that, or, or that kind of manic to depressive mood state have been around, you know, forever. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely the SAD or the the seasonal disorder is is coming into that time in Ireland at the moment. So I'm not looking forward to that part of the the winter when it gets dark at four o'clock here. So, um, just on the the episodes, I suppose when you talked about 
that time when you were 20 and you were in, going into third year in law and you were on that high for a period do they mm-hmm. do the highs come on rapidly and stay high for days or or can it can it go up and down in the you know in 12 hours or how has like is that something that's predictable for you is it different for everybody just fascinated to know about the ups and downs and the durations look it is different for everybody um if if someone tells you they have bipolar disorder though and their their episodes are not lasting for like weeks at a time Hmm. then it's probably likely they don't have bipolar disorder um i mean i wouldn't argue with anyone that you know says they have a mental illness um but you know from what we know from research and and in the diagnostics um the the dsm the the manual for diagnosing mental um illnesses you know they've got the bipolar one bipolar two and your your rapid cycling bipolar even the rapid cycling bipolar um is defined as being you know mood shifts um uh sort of on, on sort of like a weekly, like or a two two weekly to like a, a month basis. So for me, depression is normally, you know, like eight months of the year. Um, and then mania would be say like two to three months. Um, it, it can come on suddenly, like all of a sudden overnight, it's like, holy shit, I woke up and the lights went on and I'm just, I'm awake, you know. It can hit very suddenly like that. Mm. Um but sometimes you can feel it building over a few days, but it will definitely last a while um, if it's not treated effectively. Um, I guess being on my mood stabilizers, I still get depressed and I still get, you know, manic. Um, But a good example is instead of not sleeping at all, when I'm manic, I sleep about six hours. Okay. So I'm still sleeping less, but, it's way more under control. So all of the symptoms are still there. They're just very mild in comparison to how they would be off my medication. And, and like sleep is something I talk about a lot on this podcast and how important it is. Um, I would imagine getting regular six plus hours for you is, is very important to, to keep maintenance and management. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I first started my bipolar journey, I it was always explained to me as a sensitivity to serotonin. But I have since done a lot of research and learned that it is a lot more than that. It's just it's a sensitivity to change. So everything from a sudden change in my food, in the amount of exercise, in my sleep, um, in the sleep times, coffee intake, like no matter what it is that I'm doing, it's always changing my brain and affecting me. So, you know, my psychiatrists, they keep telling me routine, 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 you know, to get mm. everything as regimented as possible. And that is why, you know, I recover so quickly in the psych ward because it's like you're in bed, you wake up, your meals are at the same time every day, like you have the schedule and, you know, you have that stability. Um you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Is my mind unstable because my life's unstable or is my life unstable because of my mind? <laughs> you know, it's um, it's a careful balancing act and the second one gets, you know, out of sync, then the whole castle falls down. 
yeah that that was my next question i suppose what was the the triggers and i think you probably touched on a few there if you're if you're not keeping the routine is there anything else you've learned about things that can set it off that that you know that that are typical or atypical for for you i mean mine is very seasonal effective so september every year i start going up um and sort of february march i start going down so i i know that um but you know obviously drugs and alcohol i've i've been sober now for quite a while so i don't i don't do that anymore but you know obviously things like that night nights out partying you know Mm. not sleeping um even just i think that's where like there's a difference between sort of a mental illness and mental health um having poor mental health will make my mental illness a lot worse um you know, any anything that would make anyone feel crappy, like sitting around at home all day, you know, not leaving the house, you know, not not eating right, you know, and mm. any of that stuff, um, not seeing friends, not not looking after yourself, like anything like that can definitely trigger an episode and make it a lot, lot worse. Question around uh, that might be linked in some way, like I, I like to talk about introverts versus extroverts and and the different types of, of personality that way would you say you're more naturally introverted extroverted and does it ha- does being on your own have an impact on triggers versus being in social settings and you know obviously removing alcohol and booze that probably is never good but but how does that kind of play into it have you thought about introvert extrovert well <clears throat> i guess that's where the bipolar barbie comes in as well you know when you're manic oh my God, you're just such an attention whore. It's <laughs> like, you know, your, your confidence, like you, you need to be the center of attention. Like, right. you know, man, you're, you're almost like narcissistic, you know, dancing on tables, just like, you know, the life of the party. Mm. And, but, and then when you're depressed, you kind of go the complete opposite. Um, You don't have the energy to be around people. I think I've always been one of those people that prefers to be on my own but it's really good about people, um, like around people. I can socialize quite well, mm. but people sort of bring me. So I always need to, you know, go home and recharge my batteries. Yeah. But that is a careful balancing act as well, because sometimes you do need to let off that steam. Um, so I kind of look at it like a petrol tank, you know. Um, so I get my little social fix of like validation, fill that up, and then, you know, I go and do my own thing and sort of be creative and, um you know, it, it, again it's about finding that sort of perfect balance um but i do know that i can be sitting at home feeling completely shit and then you know someone picks me up and takes me for a walk you know maybe down the beach and then all of a sudden i'm like oh my god what do i have to be sad about life is amazing you know yeah. um so you can get in a rut i think one thing that i've been struggling with since trying to you know, starting to feel a bit better is where is that line between I had a legitimate excuse where I couldn't function and now I'm getting better. It's like that dysfunction, that isolation that was a symptom of my illness is now kind of a habit. Hmm. So it was a coping mechanism. It was part of it. And, you know, now I probably don't need that but I'm, I'm struggling with changing um, just the way I've been living for so many years because it that just became my life. Yeah. Um, 
No, I totally can get that. Uh, it's almost, you know, to, you're, you're taking away something that you, although was destructive for you and not good for you, what became part of you, and now you don't maybe need it as much anymore. There's almost a sense of separation from it that you, that's difficult to detach from, I'd imagine. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things, like everything that you enjoyed got taken away from you. You didn't enjoy anything anymore. You couldn't, you know, leave your house. You couldn't see friends. And, you know, you kind of go, well, what do I even enjoy doing? Mm. You know, you, you kind of just like, what do, what do I even do? It's like you, you emerge from your little cave and you kind of just look around like, okay, Um <laughs> I, I don't even like, you know, you, you don't even know what to do when you kind of first come out. Um, mm. And that I think is daunting. And also when you're cycling so much, how long are you going to spend out of that cave? You know, I can come out of that cave and I have thought hundreds of times before, like, yes, this is it. You know, I've finally kicked mental illnesses, but bipolar be gone. Like I'm free, mm. you know, only to a week later or I'm, um, month you know however long later come crashing down again yeah and you know be back in the same cycle so you kind of you're coming out with hope but you're sort of really fearful of starting anything um knowing that you could very much just tear it all down again yeah that's tough definitely i can just trying to imagine that is is again like coming out f fully excited that you're you're there but there's that voice in the head that i talk about a bit as well that kind of inner dialogue going on saying you know i'm going to come back at some point very soon don't don't get carried away so it's it must be must be difficult i do want to get on to your your writing your rapping your social media social profile because i'd imagine or, or maybe the question is how, how has that helped you manage and maintain and be in a better place is it is it an outlet is the creativity kind of an, a, a way for you to to keep a balance um i think it's definitely been a hugely important part of my recovery and i think in a lot of different ways i think it's actually sort of become a really cool social experiment um because i know a lot of my fans have said that it's it's helped them a lot as well um not just understanding my story and taking inspiration from it um <clears throat> you know, and, and teaching them the way to talk about mental health because there's not a lot of people that know how to talk about it. Um, but something that I, I do quite frequently is like my live feeds, for example. Um, and it could be something really simple, like I'm sitting in the grass with my dog or I'm at the beach or I'm, you know, I'm watching Shrek and I'm live on Instagram, you know, and people are kind of talking to me and we're laughing and, you know, we're having conversations, they're texting and I'm live. Um, but people, people are like, this is great. You know, and I'm like, really, you think this is interesting? And they're kind of going, well, we're just sitting at home alone as well. Mm -hmm. And now it feels like we have a friend. Um, and I think that's really exciting in the sense that if social media is used in, in, a certain way you can actually connect people especially people who have isolated themselves from the world you know um i think back to all those times that i was super depressed and i hadn't seen a friend in you know over a year i'd just been so withdrawn but social media did allow me to kind of bridge bridge that gap um so i definitely think you know that that makes a huge difference um 
you know, not just knowing that there are so many people out there that care, I still think it's really weird that so many people support me, like, personally. Um, but I think it's great that we have created more of, like, a community, I think, than a fan base. Um, when I see my fans commenting, um, you know, amongst each other on, on my posts um, and supporting each other, reaching out, you know, that makes me really happy. Um, because then I, I see it's more of like a movement or, or a community um, rather than just admiring one person's story. It's more of a movement. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And anything that's connecting two people together across the globe that have similar stuff going on for them is brilliant, you know, so so well, certainly well done on it and and keep keep it keep it going. Um, and I, I don't want to go into too much detail around that because that's the purpose of this is to get people to go to your site and go to uh, you know follow you on instagram and check out some of the the videos there as well to, to get into more more details i guess what does a typical day look f- like for you now and you know how how does how does that all play into um what you do on a daily basis just maybe talk to me about where you're at right now yeah where am i at right now i'm at like a really transitional point right now so i'm i'm still experimenting with how my days look um but you know i'm i'm working on building a life after the war um and that involves you know getting my books published so i'm really trying to just kick myself in the butt and finish editing my books that i've written um you know working on my rap homework my rap coach has got me working pretty hard um just I guess I'm you know I'm going to the gym I'm reconnecting with friends um you know trying to get outside with my dog and my horse and and reconnect with the external world um as well as deal with my sort of internal world and and trying to get my career I'm really trying to find that that balance um but it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting point um there's a lot of time I think to reflect on, on how they connect. Like right now, just before you called me, um, before we started recording this, I was sorting through my room and my new motto is like, if it doesn't serve me, it's gone. Because one thing I notice is that clutter freaks me out. Mess mm. makes me depressed. Um, if there's, you know, the more stuff I can see, the messier my brain is. Um, so I, I literally want everything out of sight out of mind and just have the bare minimum because I find myself getting distracted by very small things just because it's there. Hmm. Um, and that, you know, that makes me feel really crappy about myself, I think as well. Um, you know, because then I'm not being productive. Um, I, I struggle to work. Um, I haven't, I haven't had, I guess what you would call like a proper job. Um, I've had to move back home with my parents living in their, um, little caravan annex. So, you know, I'm glad that I have a place to live, but it's sort of, you know, you have to hit rock bottom first, I guess. Mm. Um, and trying to figure out sort of a way out of that, um, is, is difficult, mm. you know, it's still difficult. And I put a lot of pressure on myself cause I really want it. Um, you know, I want to be able to have my own little place or rent a house with a friend and, you know, be able to have a job and, and to be able to, you know, 
buy my own groceries and pay my own bills. And, yeah. you know, I want to be able to successfully adult mm -hmm. <laughs> for the first time in my life. Yeah. But, but also, I guess, as you said, you give yourself a hard time, but it's very important to, to step back and look at all the good stuff that you're doing as well. And just back to the point of connecting people and how they're talking to each other through your platforms. That that's certainly important to be aware of and gra practice gratitude do you practice kind of gratitude and do you practice the positive stuff uh, you know to, to kind of keep you in a good place i do i do practice it i struggle with it um i've recently started doing like the the qigong and uh meditation and positive mm -hmm. affirmations so i i spend hours doing that sort of thing um i think you know i always say to people recovery is a is a journey it's not a destination it's, it's a way of life. Um, and even though you get to a point where you can start living again, it's sort of, you know, every second of every day, you've got to keep on top of it, keep analyzing, okay, is this serving me? Is it working for me? Is this making me feel crappy? You know, is it making me feel good? Is it adding value to my life? Mm -hmm. Is it not? You know, um, for me right now, I'm in that transitional period where, you know, biologically my bipolar is under control, but, you know, the years of trauma and my own internal demons are kind of not. So physically I can take action, but there's still that little, you know, voice in my head that's kind of, you know, you can't do it. You know, you you might as well just give up, you know, you're not a good person and those sorts of things that I still have to deal with and, and overcome. Um, so it's just a, you know, a new chapter in, in the overall journey and new, new um and and different kind of obstacles mm -hmm. um but heading in the right direction i guess definitely and the questions you're asking yourself there sound like good questions to be asking yourself you know and that will kind of push you in, in the right direction for sure they're more positive thinking than the negative ones certainly talking about adding value and you know going in the right direction so so, so yeah brilliant it sounds like you know there's reason to be positive and forward looking. I always try and look at it, you know, in that way. Um, I mean, sometimes people, you know, people have different comments on, on when you put yourself out there in, in the way that I do. Um, mm. But I think you have to kind of acknowledge where you are and what you're going through um, to understand it and, you know, ultimately be able to conquer it. Um, how can I fix a problem, you know, when I don't know what the problem is? Um, so, yeah. Oh, Sometimes yeah. you have to admit those inner demons exist, um, you know, so you can be like, okay, hello, demon. Why are you here? How yeah. do I vanquish you? Yeah, well, <laughs> make friends with them in some ways or, or yeah, talk talk and acknowledge. Um, but definitely I agree. Uh, and I've, you know, I've, I've had to do something similar in the past and they're always not too far away. But, um Look, I think we're up against the clock uh, by Polar Barbie. Thank you so much for giving me and hopefully the, the listeners that insight today. Definitely lots I've learned from it. And um, I normally end just for folks. One last question and then you can maybe give a shout out how people can connect in. I, I talk about books and how they can have an impact on people. Is there any, I know you're writing your own, so look forward to seeing what they come out, but any book or, or piece of writing that you have found influential for you on your your ongoing journey 
a recent book I read last week that was life-changing and mind-blowing um, was I, I Change Anything. I'm pretty sure that's just what it's called, Change Anything, mm. um, by changelabs.org, I think. Okay. Um, but it's a great book. I don't have it in front of me. I gave it to someone else to read. But, yes, Change Anything. Um, look it up. It goes through um, the habit loop and the six sources of influence that influence habits, um, creation, maintenance, and ultimately how to break them. Um, it's sort of a, a handbook on how to break any habit. Um, it teaches you, I guess, how to break, how to learn, how to study yourself and how to study your own unique situation um, and implement these universal rules to basically break anything and, and change anything, really, the, the name does it justice. Very good. Cool. I'll, I'll put that. I have a book page on the website where uh, all recommendations go on and people can, can check them out from there. Brilliant. So so maybe just to wrap it up by Polar Barbie, just how folks can connect in with you across the different platforms and reach out. Yeah. So um, if you don't remember anything else, bipolarbarbie.com. Um, so that's bipolar like the disorder and Barbie like the doll. Um, otherwise, uh, you can hit me up on my Instagram. It's the underscore bipolar underscore Barbie. Um, and I mean, really, if you just search bipolar Barbie in a Google search, you'll you'll the the first results will be my Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, Instagram, website, and everything like that. So hmm. that's probably a good place to start. If you forget, Google my name, and you will find me. It's very unique, and I'm just looking at your Instagram there. You have like nearly eighty-one thousand followers just on 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 to that right now. So that's brilliant. And look, I delighted we connected. Thanks so much for taking the time out. Um, but yeah, thanks again. Have a great evening. That's all right. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So, how did you find it? A good show. Hopefully, do take a second or two to let me know. And before you do, dive off. Just a couple of quick call-outs. The new podcast, the 864, 15 minutes long, in fact, 864 seconds is the aspiration, is now out and ready for listening. Check it out on the site. Go to the podcast page. There's a link for 864 there. Or go on to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. That would be awesome. The 864 is all you have to search for. And it's in all other podcast platforms that you can think of or should be. So, have a listen. Every week I release a one-minute Monday video clip which is also a tip to hopefully make you one percent better check that out it's on the website on the video page did you also know that only about one percent of listeners to podcasts not just my own but all leave a rating leave a review get in touch or give feedback and i would love if we could book that trend and put it to two percent for this one so please do take the time to give me a bit of feedback give me some ideas about future guests or whatever the hell comes into mind just get in touch or rate or review the podcast on apple that helps i'm available at all of the social platforms pretty much all at rob of the green that's either with or without the at sign but you'll find it under that moniker so hopefully i'll hear from you there last couple of quick ones support so i do offer some pro bono coaching get onto the website the support page to get in touch few hours a month happy to do that and if you would like to support the podcast that would be awesome you can do so through patreon 
and also through purchasing books through the book page on the website that goes through amazon and we get a little percentage i'm not even sure what but it's something and finally just to say thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast i know there's lots of other shows out there it means a lot that you're checking this one out so have a great rest of day week month year whatever it may be and hopefully you're getting one percent better as a result of these shows take care and good luck